We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Despite what many of you thought, I am here. Even though the Giants got their shit torn open on Saturday, we are here. We are recording live from the Blue Wire studio at the fabulous Win Las Vegas. I'm your host, Nick Deus. At Nick Deus Tenders, you can find me. VeteransMinimum.com is you can find all things VM. And big shout out to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick, Nick. Christopher, Daniel, Derek, Devin, Jordan, Ben, Thomas, and Mike. Thank you all for your contributions. And shout out to Jess and Bic, B-I-C, the leaders of the Run Your Pool contest, which my guy Kenny Bets Big is also in the contest and is also joining us on this episode once again on Monday. Kenny, what's good, bro? What's going on, Nick? Thanks for having me on again. Happy to be here. And, you know, it's funny, uh, out of everything this weekend, you know, a couple things didn't go my way, but I was most upset that I completely forgot to put my picks in for your your pool. Don't, don't <laughs> worry. The guy running the pool also forgot to put his picks in also. So uh, usually that's how it goes. You got so many things going on. And I was trying to compete with some of the other people too. And uh, yeah, I forgot my picks. So it makes two of us, bro. <laughs> yeah. But how, how you feeling, man? You know, I know it's a tough weekend for you. I kind of went through it a little bit uh, the week prior with Tampa. But, you know, I know you're a Giants fan. How you feeling? Yeah, man. Look, it, the, the game played out exactly how I thought. I thought that the Giants had a chance to win or they would lose by three to four scores. And that's exactly what happened. So Saturday was really cool, man. It was my first real night, Kenny, in Vegas where I went out with a couple of people. Shouts to Jason, who was on the show last week and got to meet some of his buddies out here too. And it was cool networking stuff, a lot of cool folks that he knows. And it was a good time, man. I was about 10 IPAs in. Uh, I like drinking beer whenever I go out because I know Kenny, I like liquor too, man. But I don't know if it's me getting older, but I've always preferred beer. I mean, my, my hero is Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what I'm saying? My number one draft pick. So he's a beer guy. 
But to me, dude, I feel like if I have 10 beers, I know that I'm not, I'm not going to be throwing up. It's not going to creep up on me. It, it's like I have my reps in it, if it makes any sense. Like, dude, you could rip one shot and then have a beer. And then that one shot might be the one to like send you. I can never control my liquor like that, you know? So I've always just stuck to beer. I know some people don't like it because of the calories and whatnot. But it's like, dude, if I'm going to drink something, I want it to be a nice cold one. No, nah, man, I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the worst nights of my life was, uh, you know, alcohol induced. You know, sometimes the, the alcohol, the champagne, it starts flowing and, you know, you start making some bad decisions. And so, <laughs> so now I'm with you, man. As, as I've gotten older, I, I tend to, you know, if I go out with my girl, I'll have a cocktail or two with dinner and stuff. But uh, I try to stick with beer as well because, yeah, when, once, you, once the liquor starts flowing, you know, you, you, you're liable to do some crazy stuff sometimes. Yeah, it's that. And it's also just, it, it, like you said, it creeps up on you. At least for me, it, it always has, right? Like I, I might be two or three drinks in. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling good. And then that fourth one is the one where maybe the bartender, I've been tipping well. I like tipping well anywhere I go. You know, I used to deliver yeah. pizza. So that, that, that when someone gave me $5 on a delivery, dude, I was like bowing down. Like, that was a nice tip. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So I like, I like tipping well. But maybe, you know, that, that fourth time that you tip, they put a little bit more alcohol on it. And you're just sipping and... Before you know it, it creeps up. So to me with beer, beer has always been my preferred choice. So I know we got on a little bit of a tangent with alcohol, but I do like to indulge in some beverages and preferably beer is my, my choice of beverage. Yeah, it's, fu it's funny you say that because I, uh, I was viewing your stories on Saturday, you know, and I, <clears throat> you're out with your boys. And then as the night progressed, I think you're, it ended on uh, like, I'll never want to live anywhere besides Las Vegas. And I could tell at that point, you're probably feeling pretty, pretty nice out on the town, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, it didn't help that I had a chance to probably end up on uh, barstool betting. I was, okay. I was on, on, dude, I went seven for seven on UFC props. Very nice Saturday. And then Andrade ended up cruising to a 30-24 win. But I better inside the distance. And I cannot, she outstruck this girl like 300 to seven. It was, I couldn't believe it, dude. There were so many times I thought that she was going to get the finish. And that was the last leg of my parlay was her to win inside the distance. I did hedge it with her to win by decision because Kenny, she was like minus 600. So I knew there was no way she was losing that fight. But still, man, you're talking about like a potential $12,000 hit Saturday night. On top of all the beers I had, dude, I would have been just. It would have been, I would have been FaceTiming you at like 3 a.m. your time. Yeah, you would have definitely hit the strip club after. Yeah, 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 yeah. You would have to. I would have to <laughs> celebrate. You know, first real night out in Vegas, we would have to get wild. But enough about all that. Well, we could go on and on about the craziness of Vegas and, and some of these parlays. But I want to get into this episode, man, because I want to pose this question to you to set us off. And to me... My question is, what would you say is the biggest storyline leaving Division Around Weekend? And we can start from there. I mean, it's got it's got to be Dak Prescott, right? And his uh, inabilities to perform in the, in the clutch. I mean, you you look at what he's being compared to, what he's being paid as, you know, one of the upper echelon quarterbacks, and he gets the ball with you know three three plus minutes on the clock yesterday, down a touchdown. And he doesn't deliver. Uh, you know, there's a cut that that game uh, for anyone that listens here. You know, the Cowboys was my favorite bet of the weekend. I gave that out last week on, on this show. And 
anyone that can tell me that the Cowboys was a dumb bet there did not watch that game because ultimately that game changed on three three plays, right? The two Dak picks, which were anywhere from six to ten point swings, uh, and then and then the Diggs dropped pick, which was which was huge because ultimately the Niners went on to score the game winning touchdown there. But yeah, man, uh, I think the Cowboys really need to start looking on from Dak because it's pretty clear at this point that he's not the guy. Um, you know, maybe they can package him together for a top draft pick, go out and try and get like a Bryce Love, someone like that. I don't, I don't know what the market is for for someone like Dak, but yeah, it's, it's clear at this point that they're kind of. You know, we, we've seen it throughout the NFL when these teams kind of get hung up paying some of these quarterbacks top, top money because the position commands that, you know, like a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott. If they're not that upper echelon of talent, like a Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Burrow, the team's just not going to be able to get over that that hump. Right. Like, um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest biggest takeaway for me this weekend is that Dak, Dak Prescott is clearly, clearly not the guy there. Yeah, man. It's anytime Dallas loses like that, and it was the game of the weekend, uh, in a lot of people's opinions, too, those two defenses going up, which shout out to both of those defenses, bro. They came to play. Like, if you're a Dallas Cowboys defender, you're probably a little upset at the offense. I mean, you're very upset at the offense, I think it's fair to say. But also, dude, they had about two or three missed interceptions that just got deflected right into their hands. And especially the one that Diggs had on that on that drive where it went right through, it got deflected uh, past Ayuk and Diggs, who is a ball hawk and his recipe for success has always been just at the right place, right time, getting interceptions. And that didn't go their way. And you kind of felt it, right? Like there were a lot of plays that, dude, George Kittle deflects that pass, what, 10 yards before he, he's bobbling off his helmet. And, and like, I'm expecting someone to come out of nowhere and just, take him out, out for the rest of the season kind of injury. And <laughs> no, nothing happens. He ends up making that play too. And back to to Prescott, yeah, man, once again, he just doesn't deliver in a big spot. And it was the MO of Dallas for as long as we've been watching him. And yeah, last week was when we both thought that that was going to be the collapse, that Monday Night Football game against Tampa. But yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, dude. Tampa just so much slower on both sides of the ball. Uh, there was a clip that went viral of Brady trying to inspire his guys against the Niners in week 14. Another another game that we were both on. We were both on Tampa Bay. And it's like Brady is trying so hard. And the other guys are like, mm, yeah, man, let's go. You know, like there was no enthusiasm. And I think the one thing that was very alarming for Dallas, and it was something that I had in the breakdown last week with Allen was, man, you're going from a Tampa Bay team where you did whatever you want against them. A lot of it was because they're just old and slow. And it's not just Brady. Like, Julio, not the same. Mike Evans, not the same. Godwin, a little bit slower. The tight ends. And then on defense, the same thing. And then you're looking at San Francisco. They got so much speed across the board. And for as well as the Dallas defense played, I think the Niners defense played even better. And that was the biggest takeaway for me from that game. Yeah, see... Me looking at that game, I think, I think Dallas lost that game more than the Niners won that game. You know, and you know, maybe people are saying, "Oh, you're just salty because you bet on the Cowboys," but not really. Like the two picks Dak throws, I don't know where the fuck he's throwing that ball. The first one was just atrocious. The he, the, the corner ran the route better than the wide receiver ran the route, and he still th throws it. Lucky it didn't go back the other way for six. And then the second one. 
you have a chance to go into halftime with the lead, you know, and you make a terrible decision. And it's just, it's even funnier when you consider the week prior, right? Like, you know, Brett Maher missing all those extra points and Dak Prescott just going ballistic on the sidelines. And that's the guy who led the NFL in interceptions. And then you fast forward the next week and he's actually the one who cost his team the chance to move on to the NFC championship game. So, you know, it's funny how it all plays out in the end. But yeah, Dak uh, didn't do himself any favors for sure because, you know, Nick, in that situation, right, you give Patrick Mahomes the ball with three minutes left down a touchdown. What are you putting the chances that Mahomes is going down and getting the touchdown there? Yeah, like 80%. Yeah, yeah. and he's definitely not going three three and out on yeah. three terrible plays like Dak, Dak had, right? Yep. And you you can – there was plays all night you could talk about, like uh, the one play where he almost hit CeeDee Lamb where Fred Warner dropped back from the line to drop back in coverage. T.Y. Hilton's running wide open down the field on the other side. He would have walked into the end zone for six, you know, but hindsight, like you said. What'd you make of the Maher stuff? Did you see some of the props that some sports books had up of him missing a PAT was as high as plus 500? And then the first one, dude, like, yo, talk about, talk about the ISO shot, right? Like the camera was, I've never seen that much focus for a, for a first touchdown PAT like they had on Maher, and then that gets blocked. It was hysterical, bro. Plus 500 yeah. in some places, and it gets blocked. Like, this guy, man, this guy probably has so much on his mind after that, too. Yeah, I mean, and but let's be real. When, when have we ever seen a kicker miss five straight extra points, dude, right? Like, you know, not to – because these guys, you know, I can't do what a kicker does, but I think if I go out there, I could probably nail a few extra points, I would imagine, you know? Um, so when, when that guy's getting paid millions of dollars just to make kicks and you're missing the easiest kick on the field, um, you know, it's pretty bad, but it, even one, one up, did you see in warmups, I guess he missed a few warmup extra points and Jerry Jones actually came down on the field to go talk to him before the game. Yeah. Yeah. I caught that. That was, that was amazing. That was so good. I've never yeah, seen like, that happen either. And never. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the guy missed five extra points. Uh, do you think he's back next year with them? Probably not. <laughs> nah, definitely not. And this is the, anytime we talk about PATs, it's the one thing that I can honestly say with the utmost confidence. It's probably the only thing that I could do, like, for certainty is hit a PAT because I was a college kicker. So, like, I know for a fact, oh, like, PAT, yeah, Division three, but, you know, we still got a couple on the board, you know, 11 for 11 for PATs. Come on, baby. We, we, we <laughs> think a deal with jobbers. Like P- I mean, at this point, you're better than him, right? I, mean, I had a lot of Jerry Jones get him on the line. I had a lot of people reach out to me. They're like, dude, I hope you could still kick, man. Let's get you out there. I was like, yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. You know, that'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, man, that was that was really what, funny. What's your biggest takeaway this weekend? I mean, for me, dude, it was Purdy outplayed Dak, despite Purdy not really playing that great either. Like, they are really protecting Purdy. And I totally get it. Dude, this is his eighth start in the NFL, right? And he's 8-0. And they, he didn't make the costly mistakes that Dak made. And you're talking about a 40 million dollar quarterback to a, how much could Brock be making? Mr. Relevance, 600000 this year? He's got to be making the minimum. Yeah, whatever the minimum is, is, is probably what he's making. But he, he just, no, he didn't make the terrible mistake. He didn't make the... The turnover on on third and two 
Or there was even a third and two actually where he rolls out and he just throws it away instead of trying to make something happen. And to me, that was the biggest takeaway, man. And also D D'Amico Ryans is going to be a head coach next year because this dude, last couple seasons as the defensive coordinator for the Niners, he has them fired up, number one defense, and they needed to be the number one defense against Dallas. And that was my biggest takeaway, Kenny. They just, they protect Purdy as best they can. And they know that he's not going to jeopardize it for them. Like, he's not going to be the reason why he throws that interception that gets housed for 98 yards or, you know, it's they're on their side of the 50 and he has a bad turnover. Like, yeah, is he going to turn the ball over? Of course he is. Every quarterback is. But is when's that back-breaking turnover going to happen? It didn't happen for them on Sunday. And that's what I think the difference of that game was. Yeah, but to play devil's advocate, advocate there, if Diggs catches like which Diggs catches that ball nine out of 10 times, probably 10 out of 10 times. Usually Diggs will come down with that ball. If he picks that off, that's the Niners are not going in to score the game winning touchdown there. So, you know, Purdy's gotten lucky in a few of these games where, you know, he's made some bad throws, some questionable throws, whether it's deflected at the line or what have you. And the other team's just flat out dropping the ball. Um, so he's getting, getting a little lucky there. And I do think at some point that's going to regress. Maybe it's this week against the Eagles and their number one pass defense. We don't know. And then, you know, as, as great as he's looked, he's also started, he's kind of showed that he is a rookie. Like, you know, look at the last play in the first half, for example, last night, he generated, you know, legit almost let all of the clock run out. They were, what was there a second left on the clock? Right. Cause he took a little bit, a little bit of time to throw the ball away. Had he waited another second, the Niners miss out on three points there. So um, I do think some some signs of him being a you know rookie young quarterback are starting to creep in. But um, yeah, I mean the Niners are just so talented that it kind of masks everything else, right? Yeah, I agree with you that he's gotten very lucky. A lot of throws should have been intercepted. However, to push back a little bit, I still wouldn't have put that interception on him because that ball got like deflected and it, it, Ayuk still could have got it. Like, those those I could live with. I'm talking about the interceptions, like, you know, throwing it. Like Dak through? Like Dak through, <laughs> yeah. Like Dak through. Like, that, that is like, all right, you cost them there. If a ball gets ricocheted, like, through your guy's hands, and it gets picked, like, that's just unfortunate. That's bad luck. You're lucky in the Diggs situation where he doesn't come up with it. But, yeah, you're right. There have been a lot of times, and it's going to be a fascinating matchup, which we'll get to in just a little bit, with this being your biggest storyline leaving from the weekend. To me, it got to be Joe Burrow. And I know this is going to be the Joe Burrow Blowfest week. Everybody's going to be on Joe Burrow. Everyone's going to be singing his praises, and rightfully so. And I'm going to do the same thing too. But I'm glad that we got the ISO cam on this one, Nestor, as you're in there, because I've been waiting to talk about this for a while. And I was talking to Antoine in the control room also before we started recording, Kenny. And this is my big takeaway. I'm not ready to put Burrow as the number one quarterback in the league. I still think it's Mahomes. Even if, even if the Bengals win this weekend, I still would start with Mahomes. However, Burrow is my number one pick in the sense of he's the guy I'm the most confident in to not do some dumb shit on a weekly basis. And what I mean by that is he knew his offensive line was in shambles, so they adjusted their style of play to more, a lot more underneath stuff, a lot of checkdowns, nothing too crazy. He knows that it's a hostile environment. 
the that's the second ever loss Buffalo has had in Buffalo ever. And you had all the acclimate, the crazy weather going down too. But what I mean by the like the dumb shit is he's not gonna scramble for six seconds behind the line of scrimmage and and, and roll to his right to throw left across the field. He's not gonna put it into triple coverage like He's the only guy in the league that I'm confident that on a weekly basis, whether I'm betting on him or not, I know he's not going to cost his team the game. That's why Joe Burrow, to me, is my number one pick for this standpoint. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I don't hate it. Uh, to me, Joe Burrow is probably number two in the league at this point. But uh, for me, no number one would still have to be Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, if Joe Burrow goes on to beat Mahomes this week and win the Super Bowl, we can have a different discussion, right? Because maybe at that point, Joe Burrow has uh, eclipsed Mahomes or maybe they're on the same same level there. But I still think it's got to be Mahomes. If you, if you give Mahomes a Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins, I, I don't know, man. I think that would be pretty scary. So uh, I, I still put Mahomes over him. But Burrow definitely, definitely put any discussion to bed if it's, you know, who's number two, him or Josh Allen. I don't know. If it's the injuries that Josh Allen sustained this year, I don't know what it is. And uh, I haven't been someone that's been high on him, you know, to begin with. You, you and I have talked about it a lot, how much I, I don't really like Josh Allen as a player. But he looks like a totally different player, right? From like last year's game in, in the Chief, against the Chiefs where, you know, he drives them down the field. They, they go up. And then, unfortunately, Mahomes, you know, goes down with 13 seconds, ties the game. They lose in overtime. But when you watch that game, that's a totally different Josh Allen than we saw this year in the playoffs. Like, night and day difference. Would you agree with that? Hey, man, you know why I'm smiling? You know what the difference is? <laughs> what is it? They played the Bengals? <laughs> no, no. Brian Dable ain't there, man. Yeah. Is it, I, is it, is it, is it fair to at least have the conversation about that? Because... Josh Allen still played at a high level this year. Now, it wasn't as consistent. Like, he did have some games where, like, yo, what? Lost to the Jets as a double digit favorite, which, shouts to Kenny. You were like, yo, they're going to win that game outright. You know, I, I took the points, but you were like, nah, money line, bro. But, and then you look at what he did with Daniel Jones. Granted, look, I know it's a weird timing thing because Daniel Jones played like shit on Saturday night, but like the whole body of work this season. I think Josh Allen missed Brian Dable. And that was the, the big difference between this year and, and how he played last year. And it was just evident every time that you would watch him, he would, he would try to make too much happen. And every week, dude, from the first time we connected and we were talking about like your journey in sports betting. And then we started talking about like futures and all that. A consistent conversation we had every week on this program was, yo, I don't know about Buffalo, bro. I don't know. They can't run the ball. They're overly relying on Josh Allen. And when he does and has a bad game, it looks like it did yesterday. And then he gets injured. And then the secondary is injured. And then they lose Von Miller. And you're like, yo, bro, I don't know. And then let's go back to the summer. Always a red flag when the entire world is betting and picking you to win the Super Bowl. They were the most heavily wagered team across seven different sports books to win the Super Bowl. Bro, how long we've been doing this? You knew right away we were never betting the Bills. And we never bet the Bills. Uh, unfortunately, I did bet the Bills yesterday. No, uh, no, no. That's, I, that's, I, that's different. Well, I'm talking about, like, futures. We were, we were yeah, never going to make think, that bet. No, right. And I, I think the first show we ever did together, I, I threw out the stat that, you know, only three times since, like, 1995 has the preseason Super Bowl favorite actually gone on to win the Super Bowl. 
Um, you know, it's like you said, when the whole world's on you, I mean, it's not happening. It's exactly why I keep fading the 49ers. The 49ers are hands down the biggest liability for sports books, and they're on just a Cinderella run. It's not often you see a team get to their third string quarterback and not miss a beat, right? Like those are just things that are not sustainable. Like the 49ers are the exception to the rule, um, right? Like I, at some point, I Brock Purdy has to regress to to what we think he is because he looks great, but we I don't think Brock Purdy is is as good as he's been playing. And that's why he was Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft. Like these scouts are getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Of course, there's always, you know, you miss a diamond in the rough like a Tom Brady and maybe Brock Purdy is is that guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Niners run is going to come to an end very soon just for all those things I just said. Yeah, you're right. And and to touch on the Niners quick, 12 straight games they've won. It's the longest active winning streak in the NFL and it ties a franchise record of consecutive wins. But to go back to this Bengals game, man, you know, another thing that I spoke about on the, the preview show to last week was, yeah, the offensive line is shaky, but if there's anyone that could do it, it's Burrow. Because we saw it last year when they played Tennessee. Got sacked nine times. First quarterback in NFL history to be sacked as much as he did and still win a game on the road, playoffs. However you felt about Tennessee, I was on the Bengals in that game, but however you felt about Tennessee, it was still the one seed and their defense was the strength of their, their, their team. And we had seen this with Burrow. And the case that I made, and I, I had talked about this with you too, they were my favorite bet, uh, the, the plus five and a half and on the money line. And to me, it was just, they played with that chip on their shoulder, bro. Like the first thing Burrow said was like, y'all better get your refunds. Because the NFL put out the memo that they were already selling tickets for that neutral site game in Atlanta. And then the Bengals, this was the game that should have been the neutral game. It was the two teams that featured the Monday Night Football incident with DeMar Hamlin. Not this, not the AFC title game. It's like, why aren't we playing in a neutral field? We were the two teams that had this catastrophe happen to. And then the game stopped. We're the ones that got really asked out out of everything with seeding. And then the Bengals are like, I bet. No offensive line, no problem. We got to go into your building in the snow, Bills Mafia. Hamlin is back too again. The crowd fired up. I bet y'all going to learn. 14 nothing in the first quarter. Air out the building. It was a wrap. When they went up 14 nothing, bro, <laughs> yeah. it was a wrap. And also, dude, like the, the Bills defense, like how open were these guys on Cincy, bro? Like you're talking about like wide Whoa. open. See, that's, that's funny. That's where, you know, and Tony Roma, I think, did a great job, you know, highlighting that yesterday where... I think the Bills kind of were, you know, hindered a little bit by the snow and that weather that typically is a great home field advantage for them. But Romo was talking about it, how the defense that they play, where it's like a zone man defense, matchup zone, whatever you want to call it. It's very hard to kind of, I guess he was saying they react more based on the quarterback in that situation. So when the ground is slippery with the snow, it's harder to, you know, defend those receivers because obviously they know where they're running. So he was talking about it a lot during the game. I'm sure you heard about it, but um, it's funny, funny how that all played out for the, the Bills. Damn, who would have thought that snow in Buffalo would be a disadvantage for the home team? <laughs> yeah, right. Sheesh. But I, I mean, you're right. You, you watch that game. The Bengals were wide open on huge, you know, yeah. huge third down plays. too. They were picking up third, you know, second and long, third and long conversions at, at ease. Like it wasn't even a problem for them to move up and down the field yesterday. So um, I, I think we'll see a very different uh, result versus the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs D line is pretty underrated, right? You know, they got uh, 
Frank Clark. They got the rookie Karloftis down the stretch. He's been a monster for them. Uh, Chris Jones, he was, I think, the number one rated defensive lineman by Pro Football Focus this year. He's a monster. I, I think the Bengals O-line is going to have a little bit more of an issue this week against the Chiefs uh, than they did against the Bills. As we segue to the game on Saturday, which we are going to discuss for as much as I don't want to discuss this, Kenny. Let me ask you this question. <laughs> Who should be more embarrassed, the Bills or the Giants? The Bills. It's not even a question. Because like the Giants, no one expected the Giants to be there. Um, you know, last week on the show, I, I told you, I, I fully expected the Eagles to run away with that game. It was just one of those games where there's just glaring mismatches on the field. You know, Danny Dimes, not a, not the best passer going up against the number one pass defense. Um, great, great uh, pass rush to force the pressure. You know, the first time they played, they were able to limit Saquon. They did it again. I think, you know, aside from that one late run he had for like 30, 40 yards, he did not much all game. So, yeah, it was, just, it was just a big mismatch for them. And, you know, the Eagles have dominated the Giants in Philadelphia for what, like 10 plus years now. So uh, I think that was more expected. Whereas you look at the Bills. You know, you talked about it. The Bills all year, they were the preseason favorite to win the Super Bowl. You know, the way their season ended last year was left a bad taste in their mouth. You know, we see that clip of Stefan Diggs standing on the other side, watching them all celebrate. Well, now he's been doing that for three years straight now. And uh, yeah, it has to be the Bills. Yeah, I agree with you. You're the home favorite. Yeah. You know, you had all that momentum too. And just the expectations also where well, you're right. Like the Giants were just happy to be there. And uh, boy, did they play like they were just happy to be there. Because when, <laughs> dude, I don't know about you, but when I was watching that game, I was watching it with, with my buddy Jason. And when it's fourth and eight and the Giants went through it, I was drinking my beer. And as I'm drinking, I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, no. I did not like that. And then when they didn't get it, I was like, turn this game. This game's going to be over. Bam. Turnover. And then go down 14 nothing, And it was a wrap. And it was funny because I was saying, I was like, yo, Giants might win this game or you might turn this off by the third quarter. Spoiler, you, you turned it off by halftime because it was 28 nothing at halftime. And to me, like the Giants were just overmatched, dude. It's just, it's cool, man. Like Isaiah Hodgins, great story. But in the end of the day, like you need more than that. You need, <clears throat> excuse me, you need firepower. You need to be able to make plays. You need to be able to get open. And Philly was just ready, man. And Jalen Hurts balled out also. It was good to see that he's going to be healthy going into this NFC title game. And the defense was just ready to play. And they swarmed. They swarmed. They were like, yo, Saquon, you're not going to do anything crazy. They were putting on some monster hits on Daniel Jones every chance they got. They're like, yo, Vanilla Vic, that's all ha-ha and hee-hee. But now you're going to get your shit punched in. And that's exactly what happened, man. And you said about the, the Giants winning in Philly in like 10, 11 years. Bro, I've been watching football since 1999. Like, constantly the Giants haven't won a big game in Philly when it mattered for both teams since like 2002 I think like it's been it's been a long time like they've won it when you know Philly is out the playoffs Giants are out the playoffs like it doesn't really matter but I'm talking about when when the chips are down for both teams and it really matters the Giants haven't won in there in a very very long time yeah I was able to uh cash in nice I took uh Daniel Jones under passing yards there <clears throat> that one, e easy money, no, no sweat. I want to ask you, how many quarterbacks against the Eagles this year do you think have thrown for more than 215 passing yards? One five? 
No, 215. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, like I, I yeah, thought you said 50, but yeah, 215. Um, I'm going to go with three. Close. I, you know, it's a lot closer than most people. Two. Only two quarterbacks. Dak in the second game and yeah. Kyler Murray this year. They got Purdy's line at 218 and a half. Mm. Oh, right out right there. Love the under. Look, man, their defense has been like Brandon Graham has having like a, a, a second wind in his career. Hassan Reddick, my buddy Allen comes on the show. He's like, dude, did you know he had 16 sacks? I was like, yo, I randomly you'll like see someone leads the league in interception, uh, like like interceptions on defense, or you'll see you'll see some like Jamal Williams was second in the NFL in in rushing touchdowns or total touchdowns. You're like Jamal Williams, like the backup running back. And <laughs> when when I saw that uh, about Hassan Reddick, I was like, damn, there's always a random dude that just has like a career year. And he's been on these one year contracts for the last couple of seasons. And it, it, it's cool for him to see that playing out. But, you know, they, they had, they had the big boys back in the middle of the defense. And then the secondary has been phenomenal. Even James Bradbury got some revenge, got an interception on the giants who, you know, the giants let him go. Not because he's a bad player. It was because dude, we're not going to pay you $15 million. We're in a rebuild. So, and, and he got an interception on Daniel Jones. So that, that game played out exactly how I thought it would. The, the fan in me was like, you know what, man, if they can somehow keep it close, but then you're just looking at it top to bottom, bro. The, the roster is so much better, so much more explosiveness. Like AJ Brown didn't do anything. Dallas Goddard, once again, a tight end, just can't be stopped when the New York Giants play. And then uh, Devontae Smith, dude. Shout out to you. You, we, you know, we both gave that out last week. The, the Goddard anytime touchdown, that was... Simple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Simple money. It, it, it was a layup. Like, I mean, how, how many years do I got to see a tight end just run wild against the Giants? It's like that was, and especially him too, who who he's been killing the Giants. And yeah, Devontae Smith went, went bananas also. And did you catch Boston Scott's stats? He has 19 career touchdowns, 11 are against the Giants. Yeah, he scored in every game against the Giants. I saw that uh, Saturday in the afternoon. I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty crazy. And of course he gets another one. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. So, yeah, that, that's 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 about it with the Giants and Eagles game. Is there anything else we left off that you wanted to mention? No, not really. Uh, but, you know, it, it's pretty funny that I, both number one seeds in the NFC and the AFC, Chiefs and the Eagles, I, I think you can make an argument that they've both been are low-key slept on this year. Um, you know, the Eagles, all the talk as of late has been about the Niners and how the Niners look like the, the best team in the NFL. The Eagles have been the best team in the NFC from start to finish. And aside from Jalen Hurts going down for a few games, that's been the only time they've really slipped up. And then on the other side, the Chiefs, you know, you're, you you coined it, the Mahomes FU tour. Like how many people wrote off the Chiefs this year because they lost Tyreek Hill and they were the number one scoring offense in the NFL and can do no wrong this year. So, yeah, it, it's funny because looking at the numbers early, like everyone all over the Niners, everyone all over the Bengals already and both number one seeds being kind of disrespected here. No, you're absolutely right, man. And I think the reason why people are already on the Bengals is because of the uncertainty of the ankle. Um, like, and you had mentioned that was something you definitely wanted to talk about. We'll get to that in a second. But as far as that game goes from Saturday, it kind of played out the way I thought. There was a little bit of a scare when Mahomes did go down. I was like, oh, shit. Maybe live bet the Jaguars. That crossed my mind, but I ended up staying away. Travis Kelsey continues to just become absolutely a uh, a pain for anyone that that guards him. He caught 14 of his 17 targets. 
98 yards, two touchdowns, and Spagnolo again. That was something we highlighted on the preview show there. The defense stepped up. Anytime it's in the playoffs, they, they seem to come alive, man. And I think the Jaguars, like, they, they, they overachieved. Similar to the Giants. Like, both of them did a lot better than what a lot of people thought they would do. And just too much firepower from Kansas City. That was my takeaway from that one, Kenny. Yes, yeah, so, you know, similar similar with that Giants Eagles game, it's where the Jaguars defensive, uh, where the Jaguars are inept on defense, are the Chiefs' strong points, right? Like the Jaguars, the worst team in the NFL this year at covering the tight end. Well, that's the last thing you want to see when you're facing Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, and he's got Travis Kelsey out there fully healthy, and he went absolutely, you know, crazy in that game. Two touchdowns. What do you have? Like fourteen catches, hundred plus yards. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just one of those games, and that's why I talked about it last week on, on the show with you, where typically I'm an underdog better, but I had no interest in betting. And I know the Jags covered, but it, it was a, you know, a backdoor cover there. I had no interest in touching the Jaguars or the, uh, the Giants, excuse me, for that, for that reason, because it was just a weird, a weird setup. It felt very square being able to tease the Eagles and the Chiefs down to like a pick them pretty much. And, and I didn't do it for that reason, because typically those bets don't hit, but it, 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 it was a weird feeling with those games just because I felt like the two teams are kind of being slept on the Chiefs and the Eagles. And there's just so many different mismatches, different ways that the Chiefs and the Eagles were able to beat the Jags and the Giants. And yeah, it played out on the field. Yo, you know, it's hilarious, bro. How many people had that teaser? And then there was still like a huge, like that was the obvious teaser of the weekend, but it was so obvious yeah. that everyone was like, nope, nope, can't do it. That's that was my. I don't bet teasers. I'm not a teaser guy. Um, are you a teaser guy at all? Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, if there's like a game where I really like, and you know, I can tease an underdog up. You know, there's there's a couple of rules where I won't do, and that's where this weekend I, I wouldn't touch it. I would never tease that game down because I know over a long sample size, that's a losing bet. If you're going to tease the two most square, you know, two of the square bets on the board down down like that. You know, typically you're, you're going to lose there, but it worked out this weekend. Yeah. And that was the thing. I was like, oh, all the fake sharps are on the teaser. And then, you know, it ends up turning out to, to be the case. But it was so obvious. And that's why I was like very concerned. I was like, I don't know, man. I had a buddy of mine reach out to me. And he was like, yo, should I tease this? I was like, man, it's so obvious. Like this is, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> gifting you this teaser. And, you know, of course, I was proven wrong, but that, that's a part of the game also. But to me, I'd rather pass on that, bro. And if it hits, it hits than to, to just, like, take it and be like, oh, this is, like, the obvious one, dude. I don't know. That's just me, though. Yeah. I'm weird with this. A thousand, no, a thousand percent. And that's, again, that's the only edge. One, Not the only edge, obviously, if you have different strategies, right? But it's the best edge we have against the sports book is we don't need to bet every single game. So, like, like the Bills, usually I would stay off of that game. Most times, because I don't like betting favorites, especially laying five, five and a half. It's that weird, tricky number. Um, but there were so many bets on the Bengals. It was, you know, looking at the numbers, the splits, it was like square city on the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. And I was like, ah, the Bills, the Bills have to cover here. And of course, I, I got, <laughs> I got got. Yeah. Listen, man, I do want to get into Monday winners. Um, Keep that Let's do it. going. Uh, before we do, though, are the right four teams in the final four, Kenny, in your opinion? 
Are you, like the best, the final four, the best teams? Yeah. Do you think these are the four best teams? I do. I do. Um, you know, I think, again, a case could have been made that the Bills were a better team than the Bengals, but the Bengals just put that to bed. They went into Buffalo and just beat them down and, you know, kind of <laughs> ended that discussion. So, yeah, I don't think you, what teams could you say are better than the Chiefs and the, and, and the, the Bengals? And, you know, from start to finish, pretty much the, the Niners and the Eagles have been the best teams on the NFC side. Yeah, I think I think these are the right four teams. I think these are the best the best four. I think in the NFC they've been the the cream of the crop and I think just start to finish it's been Cincinnati and 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 Kansas City. Like these these to me and I don't think this was the case last year because at the time, let's not forget, we were shocked that Kansas City got this far. Like it was a surprise to us that they got that far. But now I think this year, these are the four right teams. And as I pull up the odds, the odds to win the Super Bowl as of right now, I think this is the tightest I've ever seen it, dude. I don't remember it being like this. Kansas City, Philly, and the Bengals all plus 260. The Niners plus 300. Usually you'll have a team that's like 15 to 1, right? Like even the Bengals last year around this time, I think they were like a 9 to 1 dog. because. They were a seven and a half point, I think, underdog last year going into Kansas City. And then whoever they would have played out the out the NFC, they would have been the dog also. So this is the tightest, <laughs> Kenny, I think I've ever seen the lines, bro, heading into these games. Yeah, I mean, the, these games are tough, right? Especially when you talk about the uncertainty with Mahomes, whether you think his ankle is good or if he's going to be impaired a little bit. But yeah, these are these are tough games, especially looking at the history. Mahomes has beaten the Chiefs and uh, sorry, Burrow has beaten Mahomes and the Chiefs now three straight times. Um, so can he do it a fourth time? And then on the other side, the Niners have done no wrong, right? I talked about it. They went from their first ring to Garoppolo, didn't skip a beat. Garoppolo goes down. Everyone's like, ah, oh, they're done. Purdy comes in and he's looked better than the first two guys. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's tough. And the fact that the Niners are plus three hundred is interesting to me. Because these sports books, like I said, they've come out and they've already said the, their biggest liability is the Niners. If if the Niners win, that's their only loss, really. If any other team wins the Super Bowl, it's pretty much a win for them. The fact that the Niners are plus 300, I know they have to go into Philly, but it's kind of like they're enticing more people to kind of take the Niners there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think, And even when those lines opened up yesterday... Uh, there was a point where both teams were minus one and a half, the Chiefs and the Eagles, but the money line on the Chiefs was minus 115. The money line on the Eagles when they opened up was minus 140. Now that line's already crept up to two and a half, three. Uh, I think MGM has a, a three, Eagles minus three up. So that line will probably keep going up. And if you're someone that you want to bet on the Eagles, I would probably jump on that now before the line does hit that key number of three. Yeah, I've already bet Philly. I got them at minus two. But I also feel in these scenarios, bro, when the lines are that close, don't you feel better, Kenny, just taking them on the money line? Uh, yes and no. Because, I mean, for example, you you lay that you start laying those minus 140 juices, you know, one too many times, it, you'll get eaten alive uh, on that, right? Like when you look at a spread at a minus 110, the implied probability there is around 52.7%. 
which means that if you're hitting at a 53% clip, you're making money. Once you start going up to minus 140, minus 150, you almost have to be winning 66, around 60% of your bets just to even be sniffing a profit, right? That's why I always laugh when I see these handicappers who sell picks giving out minus 200s, minus 170s. Like once I see that, I know you're not, I know you're not legit. Like you're not about it. You're not, you don't know what you're doing in this space because the math just doesn't work out in your favor when you're doing those things. Um, so you know, if you're very confident and you want to do it once in a while, yeah, take the money line there in that spot. But definitely don't get in the habit of doing that because, like I said, the juice is never worth the squeeze. Bro, that was a hell of a rant. That was yeah, good. Like that one? I like that one. Yeah, it kind of turned me on a little bit, bro. You're giving out those yeah, percentages. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you set me up good for that one. No, and, and that's the funny thing. I like I always tell my girl, like, because you know, it pisses me off. Like as someone who sells picks, and I I do this the right way, I, I think. It, it annoys me when you see some of these guys out here throwing monster tickets, hundred, $150,000 on a game. Listen, the only way you're getting money down like that is if you're a losing better. Like I've never been able to bet something like that. You know, I'll go on when I would go to DraftKings in Atlantic city, bet three, $4,000 on a baseball game. After a while, they wouldn't even let me bet that much. You know, they limit me a thousand dollars, $1,500. You know, uh, last year with the college March madness, I tried going putting five thousand dollars on LSU to win the national championship at plus eleven hundred. They would only put a, they would only let me put a thousand dollars on that line. You know they lost, so they ended up costing themselves some money. But still, it's, it's the respect factor, right? Like they know I know what I'm doing here, and they've seen it out over a longer sample size. Um, you know, or you see some of these guys who who are big betters on social media. They're getting perks, like they're going to the Super Bowl for free, or they're getting courtside tickets to games because they're FanDuel VIP host. You're only getting those things if you're a losing better. They're not giving those things to people who are taking their money. They're banning you and saying, "Hey, we don't want your bets anymore." Yeah, I know. I know some people that have dabbled in those like perks and packages, and they're some of the worst betters that I know. Like, I know for a fact that they lose often because you're right, dude. If you're if you're crushing these sports books, they're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, you know what? Come on, let's." Let's give you VIP to the NFC title. It's like, nah, bro, that's not how it works. It's <laughs> yeah. like they've made they've made enough money off you in order to say, you know what, man, let's throw him a bone because he's been getting slammed for nine weeks. So yeah, yeah like my, my buddy last year, he he lost close to a million dollars. You know what he got? A, a private jet plane ride out to the Super Bowl and two tickets for him and his boy. But you, you're losing a million dollars, like. <laughs> you're giving, you're just throwing money away at them. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna treat you like a king because they don't want you going anywhere else. No, it's very similar to like the casinos when you get comps, right? Like the more you're giving right. your comp card and you're playing on these tables and roulettes and craps and all that slots, they're giving you more comps when they know that you're losing more. Also, so like, don't get it twisted. And just just be aware. One one step further for that, the biggest comp thing, comping system that they do is playtime. Like it doesn't even matter. Like I'll go to the casino, right, and I'll bet a couple thousand dollars on a spin of roulette. But after two three spins, if I'm up, I'm out of there. I'm taking my money and I'm gone. They don't like that. They want someone that's going to go sit there and sit at the table for hours and hours on end because the math supports that if you're there long enough, you're not going to win. So yeah, of course, you know, it's the same thing as the casino and, and it just, it's crazy how many people don't, can't comprehend like those like simple things, like knowing, you know, on social media, this guy's selling picks or this guy doing that. It's just all smoke and mirrors. These guys are fucking loser, losing sports betters at the end of the day. 72% of the bets are coming in on the Eagles at minus 
two and a half. As you said, it opened up at minus one and a half. And then the Chiefs opened up at minus three. And there are some places, Kenny, where you could find plus one and a half for Kansas City. 81% of the bets are coming in on the Bengals. And are you betting this game before knowing the status of Mahomes and his ankle? I mean, now what do you mean by that? Like Mahomes is playing the game. Right? Like right. that's yeah. not even a question. So what what is there to really speculate so much, right? Because we he came out and played the second half. He he must be good enough for them to they they had a 10-point lead at that point. Well, why why would you even put Mahomes back in the game if you didn't think his ankle was good enough to be good for the next week? Because, you know, I think you and me were texting about it. They don't need Mahomes to beat the Jaguars, but without Mahomes, they have zero shot of beating the Bills or the the Bengals, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was the exact conversation that we had. And we were both a little like, yo, why are they putting them back in there? Like, Chad Henney could get the job done against them, but they had no chance, like you said. But to me, I just feel like the ankle is going to be the storyline of the entire week. Like, you already know that's going to be the, the major talking point on every sports show. And I think it's because, yo, you could play. The adrenaline is so high. It's a divisional round game and you're playing. Yeah, you could come back out there. But now having to like go home and and rest and then rest tomorrow and then you're back at practice, like that's where the ankle might become more and more of an issue. Like, dude, I thought you I thought it was a wrap for him when he's when I see a dude doing the one step, <laughs> like like hopping on one leg for, for 15 yards until you get some assistance, it's kind of a red flag to me. But I think they they'll probably tape that shit up. They'll give him some some uh, medication, shoot them up and be like, yeah, bro, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. Then you have two weeks to rest if we get past, past the Bengals. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of interesting tidbits, man. You know, the Bengals have beaten them three straight times and it would be three, it'd be four and oh against the Chiefs in 13 months. It's wild, but <laughs> it's, it's something where we might look back at this, man. This time next week, we might be looking back and saying, yo, you know what, man, they... It might just be that team that they just can't get over the hump. I'm excited for both of these matchups. Yeah, both both really good games. Um, and I, I think, you know, one thing I'm going to look at, I actually have futures on the Chiefs to win the AFC Championship and to win the Super Bowl. But I, I think a good angle here is to get in on the Eagles right now while you can, because whether they play the Chiefs or the Bengals, like, Again, the number one pass defense in the NFL, only two quarterbacks all year have thrown for over 215, going up against both of those offenses where the pass game is their bread and butter, right? So I think if, if the Eagles are able to advance past the Niners, they're, they're setting themselves up in a pretty good position to, to win it all this year. But yeah, we, we have some really good football to talk about for this weekend, for sure. What's your Monday winner? You have to give one. It could be a total two, could be a prop. Remember, now we have less and less games to pick from, so right. we could get we could get funky. Listen, I think the Eagles get it done. Um, I've been I've been fading the Niners since Brock Purdy's taken over, and he he's hurt my pockets a little bit for for sure. But uh, I think this is the time. I can't stop now. I got to keep fading the guy, and I think the Eagles are the team that finally gets it done. I think they just have. They have enough firepower to match the Niners' firepower, right? Like I said, the same thing about Dallas, and Dallas was right there. I just think Jalen Hurts is a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I don't think he'll make those same mistakes. Um, and the Chiefs, man, you're telling me I'm getting Mahomes 
potentially as a home favorite, maybe he's a home dog, and the whole world is on the other side. Listen, I know, I know Burrow's beaten the Chiefs three times, and I know he's done it three times straight, but man, I really like the Chiefs, Chiefs chances in that game, especially with the Bengals banged up O-line. I think this is one of those situations where it was talked about so much before the Bills game, and then they go out and they do what they did to the Bills, and where now people are kind of saying like, Maybe the that O line doesn't matter as much, you know. Like he he made the playoff run last year with that terrible O line. He's kind of doing it again this year. I just think that Chiefs Chiefs front seven is going to be able to cause some havoc for the Bengals this week. It's crazy to think this time last year, the Bengals were going into Kansas City as a seven point underdog, and now fast forward, deja vu, same matchup. Like 95% of the same rosters across the board. And now the Bengals are a one-point favorite in some places. I don't know, bro. I'm kind of with you. I think I think Kansas City gets their revenge. Early, early inclination is it's the Kelsey Bowl. It's Philly and it's Kansas City. And the brothers who do a podcast together are going to be playing each other in the Super Bowl. So those are... That's that's my Monday winner right there. I think Kansas City plus one. If you could get that plus one, if you get pick them, like I think Kansas City wins this game. So at that point, ju- just play it that way. So that's where I'm at, Kenny. Yeah, even you throw you throw the Chiefs in a teaser. You're getting the Chiefs plus eight at home. Come on, <laughs> AFC Championship game, Mahomes. Like the the fact that the Chiefs are opened up as a short favorite and are now underdogs in some spots. And all of the money is going on the Bengals is insane to me. When, when, what other situation would you be able to say that Mahomes is the the sharp side of of the game? Yeah, very rare. It's 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 a very <laughs> rare situation. Like I can remember off the top of my head, bro. There was that like there was like a Pats Bengals game regular season where like the Bengals were a two point favorite in Foxborough, and it was like, yo, how many times are you gonna get Brady as an underdog at home? And this is kind of what you have here, right? Like you got Mahomes at home, fifth straight AFC title game. Shouts to Andy Reid, bro. He had five a- uh, NFC title games with Philly. And now he has five straight AFC title games with the Chiefs. That's unheard of, man. That's one of the best, best to ever do it. And now they're going to be at home once again. It's just, it's crazy to me, dude. I think, I think... I think it's Kansas City, Philly. That's my my early lean. I I don't think anything is going to take me off that little spoiler as we move forward to the rest of the week. But that's kind of where I'm at, man. No, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I, that's pro- I'm probably going to parlay them. Um, Eagles money line, Chiefs money line. I think you can do no wrong with that. I saw I saw you dabbling in some parlays over the weekend. What was that about? You got me you got me a little horned up. I was like, look at him go. Is my influence of, of the parlays coming over to Kenny? <laughs> Yeah, you know, because there was uh, there were some college basketball favorites where I, I really like them, but again, I don't like laying that juice. So I was like, you know, why not? Uh, I'll go a two team parlay. It, it's I, I, it wasn't anything crazy, and I hit them. They hit. I did have the Bills uh, money line parlay with the Cowboys yesterday plus four, and obviously that was uh, an zero for two, uh, thanks to the Cowboys and the Bills, but. Yeah, I feel good about this weekend. I'm actually I'm one in four in my NFL playoff betting. Haven't gone super crazy yet. I have the Chiefs futures, which if the Chiefs win this week and then they get to the Super Bowl, I'll be sitting pretty. Um, you know, I got them plus three sixty to win it all. Um, 
And yeah, I just think this is Mahomes' year, right? Like we talked about it. It's it's we it's a weird playoff run because the best teams are being slept on. Not often does that ever happen. Normally, Mahomes is the the biggest liability for the books, right? Like the sports books want to see Mahomes lose. This year, that's not the case. So yeah, I, I love I love uh, give me it. Give me Patrick Mahomes for the crib, baby. Chiefs for everything. Let's do it. I'm on board. I'm on board. Kenny, you're the man. This was fun. Good luck this weekend. I'm sure I'll text you and we'll we'll talk. But let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, man. Check me out. Uh, Instagram, Kenny Bets Big. Twitter, Kenny Bets Big. I got my website. Uh, I do this podcast with Nick. I do a podcast every Friday with uh, Katie Mox called Moxie Bets. That's put out through Omaha Productions. But yeah, come hit me up. At Nick Deus 10 is you can find me. Veteransminimum.com. Once again, as you can find all things VM. Join the Patreon if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash veteransminimum. And we'll catch you on Thursday with the AFC-NFC title game previews. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.